This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back. Sports to the Max. Twins tomorrow night. Taking on the Texas Rangers down in the heat of Texas in July. It's about as hot as it gets, I think. Um, I can't remember. Do Stadium have retractable rooftops, E? I can't remember. Yeah, I, th- I think they do now. Okay. Like Houston. <laughs> we'll have it here. <laughs> Excuse me. We'll have it here for you at WCCO. Benita and I will talk about it tomorrow, 740 and 840. Uh, Derek Chauvin got uh, 21 years uh, to be served concurrently for a federal trial. Today. I, don't, I don't think most people are even aware uh, that he was, uh, you know, going to get another verdict today, and I think a lot of us get confused as to why well, I thought he was already in prison for a long time. Joining us, is Mike Padden from the Padden Law Firm on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, and um, you know, this one didn't have the fanfare as it, as it did when he was convicted, of course, the first time that put him away uh, locally. And, and Mike, first of all, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Nice to talk to you. Last time I was visiting with you was via text, and you, and you said, "Did you see the walk off? You you were at the game last week when Buxton hit the the walk off home run." Oh, that was so fun! Was that fun? Oh man, you know, Mike, I've been at a lot of really cool base pro baseball games, but that was about as cool as it gets. Oh yeah, here he comes, mighty Casey at bat, and with one swat, he changes everything, right? But not just that, Mike. It was a rises bat before yep. that where he fought the fought off a really good relief pitcher. And uh, it was just an amazing at bat, and the kid got a hit. It, it, I love a rise. Yeah, oh, boy, he's fun to watch. And if you really appreciate yes. baseball, you appreciate Luis Rice. Okay, so explain the Chauvin thing to me. Um, obviously, you can add a little bit to it. He didn't get life in prison, which I guess would have been the ultimate. Uh, but but explain why you try a guy twice, federal, state, uh, 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 civil rights, violated civil rights, et cetera, as opposed to just having one trial and putting a guy away for however long it is. Well, normally, Mike, um, in situations where police officers cause serious bodily harm or kill somebody, the feds usually let the state authorities handle that. Um, federal law permits a charge for violation of civil rights. And generally that's available in case things don't go well with the state prosecution, the feds will step in and make sure there's some form of justice. That's kind of the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Here, this case had become so notorious, Mike, that the federal government felt they needed to be involved too, because the result in state court was a very good one. The attorney general Ellison's team had really gotten a good result which I, I think all things considered was the appropriate fair result, although a significant result for the unintentional taking of life. But I think this case, had just it's just become so notorious, Mike, that the federal government felt they needed to be involved. And uh, frankly, I understand that, you know. Did they make that decision after, uh, after the state had, had uh, put him away, or did they make it before? No, I think they made it after, Mike. Yeah, I think they made it after. And you know, the essence of it, Mike, is um, people might be thinking, okay, well, this is running concurrent, 
which means, you know, at the same same time, he got hit with 22 and a half years by Judge Cahill for his conviction under state law, uh, and then 21 years. So people might be thinking, does it really matter? Well, yeah, it does, because he's going to end up with more time because under federal law, Mike, um, he has to serve 85% of that sentence, and under state law, he only has to serve two-thirds. So he's looking at 15 under state law, but with this uh, additional sentence, he's looking at, I don't know, 17 years plus for the 21 years, you see. So Yeah, I see. So he added two years basically for sure at minimum to a sentence. Correct. Yeah, that, oh. that's really what it comes comes down to, right? So, so, so what do you tell him going into something like this? Uh, he made a statement saying, he, you know, he hopes the best for uh, George Floyd's children or whatever. I mean, how, how vocal do you allow him to be in this case, or is there a standard rule of thumb, or is it based on the personality of your client? Well, uh, <laughs> Mike. The, it, it's understandable he did, didn't say anything after he was. He, he didn't say much in any event no. under, when he was sentenced by Judge Cahill. But that was a little bit different because he was still facing a charge. Uh, here, I got to tell you, it's a little surprising he didn't say something more substantive because it, look, the, the chapter's finally closed on the Jer- Derek Chauvin case. Okay, so. It's just bizarre. I mean, I think he said something like, if I read this right, something about Floyd's kids, he hopes that they have excellent guidance and, and become good adults. It's just weird. Yeah, it was a weird statement. I didn't quite get it. I didn't know the context of it. I didn't know if he was asking. I, I, I didn't pick up on it, but but what, there was no apology that I read. It was just, you know, I, I hope you guys are okay. I, I don't know. It's just, this guy's a weird cat, Mike. I, mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, he really should have at least apologized, you know. And then, you know, even Judge Magnuson, he pointed out, which, of course, everybody has been saying all along, and I'm quoting Judge Magnuson, to put your knee on a person's neck until they expire is simply wrong. Your conduct was wrong, and it is offensive. Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody – I'm glad he said that because that, that's what everybody's been thinking since day one. But the thing about this, Mike, even though it, it – was not the intentional taking of life to kill somebody in this way. It's it's almost like it's a slow torture. You see? Yeah. And I think that's the thing that reverberated with the American yep. public. Yep. You know, not, not just people who are, who are anti-cop, but even people who are pro-cop and even good cops. Yes. They were very yes. upset. About it's as if I'm saying, I'm, I, I have the power to do whatever I want to you and there's nothing you can do about it. And that, and that was the perception uh, of a lot yeah. of people on, on both sides of the, the aisle or wherever they sit on this. Now, there are two yeah. pending cases, uh, one where, you know, a young man, now an adult says uh, that, uh, that 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 he did this, applied the same thing uh, to him uh, during an altercation as well. Do, do, do those cases get, uh, do, do they have more juice because of what happened today? Do they? Does it matter more? Uh, I know Bennett, uh, Bob Bennett's representing one of them. Uh, what happens in those cases? I assume that they, they, they want a monetary settlement from the police department, right? Yes, yes, um, yes. I think I, you might you might be referring to the fourteen year old that yeah. allegedly, yeah. Yes, definitely. But the real question I think everybody has is if he had, if he had done this to a seven, a 14 year old in 2017, why was he still on the force? You mm-hmm. see, that, that's, that's the problem with this agency. They don't police their own. And that's, of course, um, evident here. I mean, you know, he apparently had, had his hands around the kid's neck and then wailed on him with a flashlight. I mean, if you do that to a 14 year old, assuming you're not defending your life or something, 
And I, obviously he was charged with violation of the kids' civil rights, so they don't just do that willy-nilly. Um, he should not have been on the force, Mike. You see, that's mm-hmm. the thing that's frustrating to people is it's just clear that this agency has a history of not policing their own, and that's evident. I mean, I pointed this out in my book, too, so, you know. so. But, but is it also a case where the 14-year-old didn't bring it up until he saw him later, so therefore uh, his superiors, meaning, meaning Chauvin's superiors, maybe never were aware of it? Uh, it's a fair point, Mike. I, I, you know, I I don't know, but I mean, it seems to me that somebody would have had to have known. Um, I, I, you know, I I would think that he would not have done that without any officer witnesses. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's a fair point, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I just, I I mean, there must've been an internal affairs investigation. How did they know about it? I don't think it just came up recently, you know? So, I don't know, Mike. It's just it's just frustrating. I mean, I, I along with a lot of a lot of other people. I mean, look, I have a case where I represent a family of a young man who was killed by a police officer who, you know, years before had strangled a black man to death, and he was still on the force. You know, so and and basically. Anytime there's something that's that severe, uh, there's going to be an internal investigation, right? I mean, that would trigger it if there's any death or any anything that, that you would consider to be torturous or anything that you would consider to be uh, uh, a, a physical altercation. There's going to be an internal affairs investigation, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, look, the Minnesota Department of Human Rights just did an amazing investigation headed by Commissioner Lucero that pointed these things out. I mean, I'm not just some guy popping off here. I mean, the DOJ investigated him back in 2014 or 2015. That was a bad, I mean, you know, saying stuff like, you better change your ways or something really bad's going to happen. I mean, talk about prophetic, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's a tough situation, Mike. It's a broken agency, and something has, has to get fixed. I don't know if it's fixed yet, but uh, this whole Chauvin thing has been really a, really a mess, and you know, it's, uh, I mean, probably has become the arguably the most uh, highest profile excessive force case in not only U.S., but probably world history. Right, world history, yep. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so, so so can I test your international law a little bit here? Sports, uh, this is sports international law question, okay? And, and, and yeah, if you don't know the answer, I understand because that. I might not. Okay, Brittany Griner, not. Brittany Griner pleaded guilty today. Uh, to the right. charges that she was carrying the, the cannabis and the illegal uh, substance into Russia. And so right. there was a lot of talk about, you know, 10 years or more, et cetera. And, and so she pleaded guilty and, and then said it was by accident. She didn't realize she had packed it, et cetera. Uh, d- tell me how that strikes you in a Russian – any idea how, how, why you would plead guilty? I assume that there's some uh, advantage to that uh, in a Russian court or in a, or either that or she knows how they're negotiating in the U.S. Uh, why would you do that? I think because probably the people who are representing her in Russia have worked out some kind of arrangement with the Russian government. Look, Mike, I think it's clear that what's happening there probably has some political ramifications in light of the invasion of Ukraine and whatnot, but um, she she did that for a reason, and presumably, did, have they talked at all about sanction yet, Mike? Or no, I, I wasn't stuck in court all day, so no. So all all she did was plead guilty, correct? She, she pled guilty and gave the re- and, and she said the reason was that she did it and didn't realize it. That that was the only thing that I saw that came out of it. Okay, well, yeah, th- th- she probably did that because they have some sort of an arrangement, Mike. You know, so, uh, you know, who knows? It might have something to do with some kind of a deal where, you know. You admit to it and then, and, and, and then we'll trade off a prisoner or something? I wouldn't surprise me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> something. You know, 
Okay. Yeah. Let me yeah. ask you one more. I don't know if you're up to speed completely on this or not, but it's not really a legal case, but I, I don't know if it is or not. And that's, you know, the wildest Kirill Kaprizov, uh, it looks like, you know, Russia's making overtures about the, the Russian stars that are over there, uh, maybe investigating their, you know, how they applied for or got out of military duty, whatever it was. Um, there's concern that, you know, the star of the Minnesota wild could be held up in Russia. Now we had Brian Lawton on who's very well informed. He says that's not a concern. He doesn't think that'll happen. Uh, does that strike you as gamesmanship? Uh, how, how does that strike you, uh, on an international front? And if you had a client over there, uh, would you say, Hey, you get on us soil as quick as you can. That's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Mike, it's, it's, it's politics now. And, you know, look, uh, you know, Kaprizov, he seems like he's a really nice young man. I mean, when, when the invasion of Ukraine happened, I don't think there was one person in the state had any animosity toward Kaprizov, no. you know, I mean, what the hell? I mean, uh, yeah, Mike, I, the problem you get into in situations like this is the politics of it, you know, and that's, that's a difficult thing. Um, uh, you know, there was that famous movie where the guy was, guy got busted for hashish. You can't remember the name of it. Um, and he, I mean, he ended up in a, in a Turkish prison for years, but, you know, he picked the wrong time to, to, to have hashish on his person because there were people blowing up planes. You see, yep. so, you know, that was political too. And, you know, the bottom line is when you leave this country, you better be really careful what you do, you know? I mean, here, possession of weed, a small amount of weed is a petty misdemeanor. It's not even a crime, but in other countries, that might be a problem for you. So the bottom line is you really got to be careful to not get in trouble when you leave the the good old USA, you know. Mike Padner, I guess. Mike, one more, uh, this, and I know that as a former athlete yourself, a Division I athlete at that, a basketball player, you're seeing this NIL term and NIL money coming out now. Uh, and th- this is more a question to you as much as a, a former college athlete as it is an attorney. Um, you, the, the rule says that you cannot, uh, guarantee a kid NIL money. Uh, they have to be on campus first, then they have to strike a deal with whoever would, you know, uh, endorsement they could get or whatever it is or whoever they could be a spokesperson on, all those things. But we all know right. that, 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 you know, you, 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 if you want a kid, you better, you better have some figures out there, some money that you think they can make. How does this deal, this whole ruling strike you? And what is your biggest concern or worry uh, as we get into the money side of sports for college athletes? Well, the fir- first of all, Mike, I'm supportive of college athletes making money on endorsements. And it's not just me. I, even Coach K has been vocal about that. And if somebody like him is supportive of it, um, you know, college sports has become a huge multi-billion dollar industry. And you know, not every kid that goes into college and is successful makes it in the pros, Mike. So I don't have any problem with that. The problem is, from my perspective, is the potential abuse that can happen here. It's really good. They're really going to have to police this close. Oh my and, gosh, is there potential, huh? Yeah, not not to mention when you when you're dealing with new rules like this, Mike. It's just the nature of rules and laws. There's going to be ambiguity because the English language is ambiguous. You see, you can have the simplest law. That's why. For Americans, we don't, we can't just read the law. We have to. This is one of the reasons why lawyers are unnecessary evil, is because the the statutes themselves don't. You, you have to have case law that interprets statutes. You see, and uh, my worry is the potential for abuse. But the, but as a as a general proposition, the idea of athletes making money, uh, college athletes, is not a problem for me at all. 
it's it, what's going to be interesting is to see how they do it, and it's going to be interesting to see what markets step up and what are the ideal markets for kids. I, I think the sweet spot spot's going to be the college towns, you know, the places where yeah. where it matters a lot. Because as you and I both know, and you, and and you're a product of that, uh, you yeah. get the right. Uh, there's some really really successful businesses and business people in those towns that can afford to oh, make yeah. contributions. Whereas here, they're more philanthropic, and yes, you have Fortune 100 companies, but they say, yeah, I'll give money, but maybe not. To an athlete. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Mike, look at look at SC and UCLA, UCLA are coming into the Big Ten. Now, you know the reason for that is because of one thing, money, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Look, if it helps the Big Ten, great. I mean, if, if RAD and P.J. Fleck are supportive of it, if it's a positive thing for, uh, for the Big Ten and for the Gophers, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, I mean, look, Northern Illinois, my alma mater, they, they really do well, too, because they play on ESPN all the time. You know, sure. they, get those ES, they get those time slots on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and they're competitive games, high scoring. ESPN loves them. So, you know, I, I'm all for it. I mean, but I, I just think the notion of young people getting some compensation when they're making other people in universities millions, tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, I think is only fair, you see. I, for that from my perspective. Michael, appreciate it very much. Thanks for giving us some time. Always enjoy it. Always enjoy it, Mike. Thanks, sir. You bet. Mike Patton from Patton Law Firm Thanks, on a Mike. number of different topics, but the Derek Chauvin sentenced today federally, 21 years. And as Mike po- uh, pointed out, the big thing is it's a minimum of probably 17 years versus 15 years with the previous sentence. So for whatever that's worth, we'll talk more about it. We come back. Sports to the Max at WCCO. Welcome back. Sports to the Max. Cooley to Arizona, the future gopher. Still waiting on the uh, Minnesota Wild. There's still a few picks away before they go 19th overall. Two picks in the first round. So we'll see what direction they go with it. Mark andre Fleury did uh, reports that he came to terms with a two-year deal uh, to remain with the Minnesota Wild. There was some talk as to whether or not uh, how much he would entertain the open market. Um, I would think that um, – he would only go to a select group of teams, even though he's a free agent. He was only going to go somewhere where he thought he'd have a chance to win. And I would think that, you know, the body of work was probably good enough in St. Paul to encourage him, even without a Kevin Fiala, uh, to extend it. Either that or he didn't get the offers that he thought he would from the contending teams. But he basically held all the cards uh, because uh, uh, he could just retire if he wanted to. So the Wilds sealed that deal. Uh, for two more years, which tells you a little bit more about uh, where they sit. Um, they're still going to have to make a move or two, probably, but they're going to have to be small deals to try to pick up some more offense. I don't know where they go to get that. I don't know what kind of who's available out there, etc., because I'm not that plugged in on the inside of it, but they, they, they still could use a little bit more consistent offense. Because here's the thing about Fiala. There are people that say, well, he got shut down in the in the playoffs, and he did. You know, small body, I don't know. But you need a guy during the year, and he demonstrated as much as anybody in the history of the, the Minnesota Wild, that you need a guy that can carry you for a week or two from time to time, maybe when you're not scoring goals, maybe when you're winning two to one, etc. You need a guy that can be the guy, and not just your star Kaprizov. You need somebody else that can be the guy once in a while, that, that can carry you uh, for periods of time just to get you through it. And Fiala was that guy, and there are very few like him. Uh, in the NHL. And there's a lot of guys, you know, maybe if it's their best player, but not their second best. And he was able to do that. And I don't know that they can find somebody to fill that void. So we'll find out. Wild on the clock. We'll let you know as, uh, if they make a pick here while we're uh, doing business. When we come back, I know Kerry Sutherland very well.
He's the general manager of uh, Lifetime Fitness in St. Louis Park. He's the assistant basketball coach at Hopkins High School. I've known him for 25 years. Uh, his son has become his own celebrity, Justin Sutherland, uh, one of the great chefs, and, he, and he's won the competition, and he's been on the, the TV shows and all those things, and he almost lost his life the other day in a boating accident. Uh, Carrie will explain uh, certainly a life-changing experience and room for pause in what they're doing about it. When we come back, a father speaks of what his, son, his son's near-death experience on the other side. Stay with us. NHL draft. I think all you really care about is you know, local connections, etc. Logan Cooley goes number three overall. He's a centerman destined to play for Bob Motzko in the um, University of Minnesota. Uh, but he did go to Arizona, a team that's in, in, in dire need of help at a lot of positions. So I don't know if there's any outside chance that he never gets here. Uh, he grew up in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, but certainly uh, Bob Motzko has him penned in as a guy that would step right in and be a high-impact player. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, another one that's on the board uh, from Chaska, Minnesota, his father Dave Snuggerud. I think his, his uncle Bo Snuggerud uh, had a pretty good hockey player and football player as well. And uh, and he's in the Chicago Blackhawks system, I believe, at last uh, last that I checked. Uh, but anyway, he's he's projected to go maybe late in the first round. The Wild have two first round picks. Uh, we will keep you up to speed on that as well. And uh, yeah, and away we go here with uh, uh, a night dominated by hockey in the middle of July, only in Minnesota. Now I got to tell you, I mentioned I was in Colorado the last several days, and they are still celebrating the Stanley Cup. And uh, if you watch the news, it, it, it's almost like, uh, uh, where was the cup today? You know, and, and then they break out some phone video that somebody sent them and uh, via text or they found it on Twitter and uh, it made an appearance at the, you know, uh, Ruby Tuesdays in, in, in Littleton or something. You know, so-and-so brought it in or they were at a concert and all of a sudden somebody broke out the Stanley Cup. Um, Eric Johnson from Minnesota, another you know, top end pick uh, from Bloomington is, is a veteran on that team, and he and he was involved in their coverage. I was watching that he had um, uh, he had uh, uh, done a signing at like a Dick Sporting Goods, and, and the Lions were long. And then the news crew talked to him about uh, what it was like, and he says it's kind of like you win the Stanley Cup every day because there's another celebration someplace. You know, they had him out at Coors Field to, to do the the first pitch, and then they had him here and they had him there. But he says it's almost like every day. You win the Stanley Cup again because of the cup and its significance and the way that they travel with it, and and they take it different places and, and you know something happens and they're you know they're just celebrating their championship. And anyway, it got me thinking. You look at Denver. Obviously, the Broncos have won it a couple times over the years with uh, with John Elway, uh, and, and the Avalanche won it a couple times. And, and, and you go, where, where does Minnesota fit in all this? Where does Minnesota? Fit? And, and then they mentioned, and I had forgot about it. Uh, but they mentioned, and oh yeah, uh, and, and what a spring here for hockey in Colorado. Uh, DU wins a national championship in college hockey, and now the Avs win it, the Stanley Cup. Oh, what a what a spring here in in, in Colorado. And going that that that's that, I mean, Colorado's not a warm state, but they shouldn't be dominating hockey like that. I mean, this is Minnesota. Do do we ever get a run like that? A little something. Um, you know. Maybe someday, but not today, and it kind of bothers me that other states get that. Kerry Sutherland is a guy that I've known for a long time on a lot of different levels. Uh, we talk a lot of basketball. 
over the years, he's an assistant coach at Hopkins. He's also the general manager of the uh, number one lifetime fitness uh, in Minnesota, and that's the one in St. Louis Park. But but today we bring him to you as a father. Uh, his son, who you know is one of the great chefs of national fame, um, had had more than a close call on Sunday when when he fell off the back of a boat and uh, uh, and and made contact with the propeller in in a very strange situation where we, I mean it, it, I mean everything had to be perfect for this to happen and, and Carrie's been going back and forth to the hospital since then uh, they had an event for his son today Justin and and Carrie is nice enough to join us now Carrie first of all our thoughts and prayers with you uh, and your family. And for your son, and for your wife, and for your, and, and for his brothers and sisters, you know, all the people in your family, uh, take us through uh, what these last few days have been like for you, because there was quite an outpouring of, of support today. Uh, but take us through what life has been like uh, for your family as people have watched uh, your son and your entire family go through this. Yes, yeah, Mike, it is. It's been it's been a tough couple of days, but you know, again, first of all, thank you and. You know, thank you for having me on. Thank you for your friendship over the years through through sports and just through, you know, fitness. Um, you're yeah. definitely a fitness addict. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of done life together, man. We've been in the same places at the same time, you know. Yep. And now I'm now I'm getting a chance to uh, watch your kids go through sports. Yeah. So that's been pretty – that's been fun. Yeah. So, so ch- as far – Go ahead. So as, so as far as, you know, what's what it's been like over the, you know, last few days, it was, you know – it was uh, really horrific, right? I mean, it's you know, you get this call that your your son's in this boating accident, that he was uh, struck by the propellers on a on a boat, and you know, I was actually just flying back into town, so it was a uh, it was it was four hours from the time that I learned about it to the time I could get to him. Oh boy! And uh, it was a long, long flight, and it was a long drive to the hospital just to uh you know get a chance to see my see my son but um yeah it, it was tough it, it was really tough but the but the beautiful thing about it is the is what you mentioned the 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 outreach the the folks that are reaching out the love and support that's been shown has just really uplifted him i know and it's definitely uplifted the family so that's been amazing so, so you get the call, and, and what happened was, as it was explained to me at least, was he's in a boat, his hat flies off, he bends over to grab the hat, which which he wasn't going to follow the boat, but it hit a wave at the exact same time, and he falls in, and, and the propeller hits his head, correct? Yes, that's correct. He he went to reach for his hat as it was blowing off his head, and the uh, and, he, and he was knocked out of the boat. And, uh, yeah, it struck his head, it struck his face. Broke his arm, jaw. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, so he's been wired up. His mouth has been wired shut. His, his, uh, you know, head is, uh, you know, severely damaged. But you know what? It it could have been a lot worse. And he's definitely uh, gonna make it through this. Mm. What's it like to communicate with him when he can't talk? Uh, you know your son well enough that I'm sure you can tell what what he wants to say or how he feels. You know, it was really tough the first the first day. It was it was it was really really hard because he 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 was not as coherent, mm. you know, and he was in and out of consciousness. So not knowing if he could hear you really or if he could understand. Uh, 
second, third day here, he's actually been able to communicate much better. He's actually was able to write. So he started writing. So we got him some paper and pen. He was writing, you know, messages to us. Um, and then uh, today they actually took the, um, the wires out of his mouth. They unwired his mouth because uh, they're in preparation of a surgery on Tuesday. Um, they took these wires out of his mouth and, you know, he can't open his mouth that far, but he can actually, now he can actually, you know, mouth some words. Mm. Mm. When, when you saw him for the first time after four hours between when you got the news and then what, what's it like for a father to walk into that room? You know, surprisingly, Mike, I, uh, after thinking the worst of the worst, um, for all that time, when I walked in the room, I was I was shocked, but I was also um, surprised that you know it wasn't worse than you know yep. what I what I was actually seeing. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was it was a relief. It was a it was a lot of emotions. It was a relief to see him that he was actually alive and he was breathing, and I could see you know he had life in his body and he had movement. Uh, and you know he had all of his all of his limbs were there all you know it, mm-hmm. it was it was good that was good to see today uh the outpouring of uh support what was that like to have an event like that today and to see the people maybe some that you knew and I'm sure some that you didn't know that know him yeah they you know the event today at at hope breakfast bar and uh Brian Ingram that Brian Ingram hosted and uh was it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Uh, he was, he, he is such a giver. Brian, that is, is such a giver. He has such a heart for helping people. And he orchestrated and put this whole event together, you know, with the hopes of, you know, having people come there. He was donated the proceeds to, to Justin. And, uh, it was, it was amazing. Um, I, I had no idea what I, what we were walking into. It was a, it was a ton of chefs that were there, local chefs that had showed up, as well as, uh, you know, other folks. Mayor Carter was there. He spoke, uh, had a very eloquent uh, 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 speech that he gave, you know, about Justin, his relationship and the things that Justin has done for, you know, people in the community, and especially the community of St. Paul. Um, so it was, it was amazing. Hmm. How does that make you feel as a dad when you've seen all that? Well, you know, it, it's it's you're <laughs> very proud. Yeah, you're very proud that you know that he has had that kind of impact on so many people. That so many people speak about his heart. So many people speak about his generosity. So many people speak about you know him just being there for them and and supporting them during their tough times and during their you know life's work in you know in the industry, uh, the restaurant industry. So that was that was pretty amazing when you think about Gary um, the propeller of a big boat and a big motor and how close it is to being worse than it is today as we speak is there a great sense of gratefulness as well because you know the math on that and, and how much more devastating it could have been yes you know gratitude is something that I, I have lived a life of um, yep. I have always uh, 
been very grateful for my life, for my everything that I've experienced. And, you know, the, the gratitude I had that my life, my son's life was spared, you know, topped any gratitude that I've ever hmm. experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you just look at him in that bed and I, I'll bet you just well up with tears. Cause th- I mean, mm-hmm. I know it's true for all of your children, but, but that's your guy, right? I mean, that's him. <laughs> that's him. Yep. That is my guy. And, it is definitely it's it is definitely tough every time I see him, but it's 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 tears of joy that he is alive and that he is gonna make a recovery and and he will be back doing the things that he loves. He'll be back in the kitchens. He will be back on his television shows. You know he'll be back. You know supporting the the organizations that he supports and the charities that he supports. And you know we'll continue to build. You know our foundation. That you know that that we've established, you know, as a family, you know, to support, you know, others. So it'll be great. It'll be great when he's when he's back when he's back at it. Carrie Sutherland, I look forward to when you and I can sit in your office out there and talk about things unimportant like, you know, who's going to transfer to what school and who's got the top AAU program uh, because that doesn't seem real important right now, and those are usually the things that you and I are talking about. Thank you so much, and thank you for delivering good news to us and send our thoughts and prayers to Justin. Let him know he's got a lot of people behind him. Mike, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to us catching up soon. I appreciate you, sir. Thanks. Kerry Sutherland, nice enough to go on the radio with us. At, um, I just, I, I, mean, I mean, those four hours between when you get the news and when you don't know what you're going to see when you walk through the door at the hospital, I, I just can't imagine how horrific that can be. And I, some of you have probably experienced it, and all of us have thought through it. What would that be like? Kerry Sutherland able to shed some light and do it eloquently. Right here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Welcome back. Sports to the max. The uh, Twins take on Texas tomorrow right here. Uh, Sonny Gravely pitches for the Twins. He was just okay his last outing. Um, Joe Ryan was, you know, they needed more innings out of him yesterday because this bullpen, you just don't know what you're going to get. Um. But at the end of the day, if you're five, five and a half up on Cleveland right now, and it's July 8th, uh, you're liking your chances. That, that's a lot Cleveland has to overcome to get to you. And they got to beat you a lot of times straight up, and they've already played enough times that, uh, yeah, they've gotten the better of the Twins, but not enough. They haven't dominated the series enough. So it puts them in a pretty good place right now. You make a couple deals for a couple of bullpen arms, and you are where you want to be. And bullpen arms, by the way, are the easiest to find in the trade market because it's easy to identify um, who has players that can't help them in the bullpen. So you take the losing teams that have good closers. Well, how much value is a closer to a losing team that's not going to the playoffs? So you take that guy and you get a couple of them, and one becomes your eighth-inning guy or your seventh-inning guy, and the other one becomes your ninth-inning guy. And you got it, but they're not, those deals are not that hard to come by because those guys, teams don't have a need for them anymore once they're out of the pennant race. And so they're looking to move guys like that. They're looking to move those flamethrowers because, because they've got enough of them. You know, you get a Sergio Romo for a good couple of months, something like that. And so I think that the Twins will be able to pull something off and I don't think they'll have to give up that much. I don't know what the market value would be on a guy like Miguel Sano coming back. 
with an option year after, does that make him kind of a, a good somebody to dangle out there? And if he hits, great. If he doesn't, let him go. I don't know. But um, I guarantee you there will be a couple more arms in the bullpen sooner than later. That much I know. When we come back, Leo Lewis, the former Minnesota Viking, amongst the questions I have for him is something we don't talk much about. How do we keep kids from the inner city occupied in the summertime? We talked about school going long and all that stuff this year for them in the city. How do we keep them occupied with productive things? If they don't have a job, if they're too young to work, all those things, how do we make sure that they do the right thing every day? How do we make sure that they're getting it done? Leo Lewis and much more straight ahead in the 8 o'clock hour on Sports to the Max. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.